to say that uh, to say that these last weeks or a few months have been um, different. Uh, it's it's kind of an understatement. They've been crazy, you know. To say they're different is kind of like calling an alligator a lizard. It is. It, it, there's just no words big enough to to, to describe things that are happening and uh, things that we've never seen, never experienced before, or I haven't. And uh, in the midst of all that, there seems to be that there's no consensus on what truth is. I mean, one, es- one expert says, wear a mask. One expert says, don't wear, wear a mask. One expert says, uh, touch this. Other expert says, don't touch that. One, you know, there, we hear all these, all these uh, comments. But uh, so in the, in the midst of all that, uh, it seems that our, that our state, I got to tell you this old time out here, but because I appreciate the liberty and I know you're working through this on your time, uh, there's been no pressure at all. Uh, we welcome you back as the Lord frees you up and tells you to come back. Uh, some wear masks, some don't. We, we got out of the truck this morning for a service and I've, I've never heard this, so I'm sharing it with you. And, and Barbie was saying, hand me my mask. Of course, she's got a, an anointed mask. It's a Georgia Bulldog, sanctified and glorified so she, all you Florida fans just going to, you know, suck it up. But she had to, she, she, I thought she said, hand me, hand me my mask. My, some, and I thought she said, hand me my booger catcher. And I got tickled and I said, booger catcher, I've never heard it called that. And she said, I didn't say that. And I got thinking, well, you know, it would been pretty good. It would work. And, and where was the, you know, if, with sinuses, it's, it's a good deal. Anyway, uh, in the midst of all this, it, it seems that our, our, our state and our, our local leaders you know, are so driven by the, the politics of the moment and by their side. And, sure, and while all the time they're doing that, they're blaming the other side. And, um, and, and it's crazy. And not only in our country, but around the world, we, we're, I'm, seeing, I'm, I'm seeing the world experiencing fear on a level that I have never seen before. Uh, and again, I fear because they're, they're, we're hearing different messages we don't know what to expect. And this fear can be crippling. It can be paralyzing. So as I was uh, praying and, 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 and looking forward to, to being back today, I'm saying, you know, Lord, what, what are you? What are, so how do we? This is my question. How do we as believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, how do we navigate this, these waters that we that we find ourselves in now. I mean, where where do we where do we go for direction? Where do we go for hope? Where do we go for reassurance? You know that that everything's going to be okay. So for the believer, for the Christian, we know where we go, right? Where do we go? We go to the Lord. We go to God's Word. He never changes. Scripture says, Hebrews says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. But God's word tells us over and over that he never changes. He is always the same. So we, we go to, his, to him, we go to his word. Uh, John 1 tells us that Jesus Christ is the word. He's the living word. And we go to his, the word of God. And verses that you've been clinging on to, that I've been looking at, verses like Romans 8, 28 is a good one. Look, look at, read it with me now. I'll, let me just give you a heads up, Okay. First service, we had to have an educational course. I asked them to read it with me, and it was like, and we know all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And I, and I said, okay, wait, some of you can read, some of you can't. So I want you to read it like you're reading it to the person sitting next to you. 
Now, you don't have to read it like, like you're wanting Karen at the back. For we know all things. You don't have to read it like that. But I do want you to read it like you're reading it to the person. Read with me. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And then we, we read promises like Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Read it with me. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And then promises like Jeremiah 29. We're going to read verse 10 and verse 11, but read them with me. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, it's this last passage that I want us to kind of land on this morning and look at a little bit in depth. And, and uh, you know, we, we sing, as a little course, we sing every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. And I'm resting in his love divine, every promise in the book is mine. Remember that from VBS days? And we, we sing that. But there's a couple of things. But, we, but every promise may not mean what we think it means. Uh, so we need to consider the context of these promises and the context of this verse, but in, within this verse, especially in the verse we're looking at this morning in, in Jeremiah, in this verse is tremendous reassurance and tremendous hope, both to the people that Jeremiah penned this to, who were the exiles, the, Israeli, the Jewish exiles in Babylon, and to you and I. Now, he was writing this to a group of of uh, people who had been forcibly removed from their home country. They had been taken away from everything that they were familiar with, everything that they were comfortable with, everything that they, that they, had, uh, that they could see that stayed, the, that stayed the same that didn't change. They had been forcibly removed from all that, and now they are living, if you can call it living. They're existing, or they are surviving in a foreign country under, in Babylon, under Babylonian rule. And they must have wondered, some of the things that you and I wonder, but I'm sure they must have wondered things like, well, if we really are God's chosen people, how could he let this be happening to us? Where is he? What's the purpose? Why? Now, I believe that these Hebrew people had made two common, very human mistakes that we're capable of making. First of all, I believe they thought that their sins would never end them up where they were. And it gave them a false confidence. Now, later on, next Sunday, Lord willing, we're going to take a little bit more look, in-depth look at what those sins were. But, but in their prosperity... Israel had come, had come to trust in their wealth. They'd come to trust in their wisdom. They'd come to trust in their way of life. And, and, and they basically had turned away from God, and, and they were trusting in themselves, and they basically had taken an attitude. God, hey, 
uh, we'll call you if we need you. And they had never thought that their sins would take them so far away. And then that's so true. We have to be careful in our lives. The old, the old saying is true that sin will take you farther than you ever thought you'd go, keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay, cost you more than you ever, ever could pay. And it does. It starts off gradually. With them, it has started off just gradually as they walked away from God. And so they had this false confidence that we're God's people. Man, we're here. He's placed us here. Nothing can touch us. Second thing is that they thought now in Babylon, they were thinking, we'll never get out. We'll never go back. We can never return. And this had caused them a great sense of, of uh, despair. Uh, almost, almost a sense of depression. What's going to happen? Well, for us, we, we need to be careful too. We need to be careful that we don't expect what God has never promised us. Okay? But we need to be careful that we do believe everything he has promised us. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to confuse you with words. I'm, I'm confusing enough when I'm trying to speak jury, okay? Uh, there, there's, I, you know, I've been married to Barbie 50 years, and just one day this week, she said, honey, I never understood a word you said. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that keeps marriages going, 50 years. And I, I just, you know, I said, what did you hear me say, honey? That's what I said. It's a good thing, right? It's a good. Anyway, I'm not trying to confuse you, but, but, but listen, we need to be careful let me just put it this way. Ray Pritchard said it better than I could. Let me tell you what he said. He said, God will not always do what we think he should. Hello? Is there, has that ever happened in your life? Our God won't always do things the way I think he was going to do it. Matter of fact, I'm going to let you in on this. God doesn't always consult me with what he does. He doesn't call and say, help him. How do you think I already handle the situation? You know? But in my mind, sometimes I think I know, hey, God, if you just deal with this person like this, you know, take care of that situation over there. And if you do so, hey, it'd be cool. And, and, and it don't happen that way. So, Ray Pitcher says, God will not always do what we think he should. But secondly, but he will always do what he promises. Do you believe that? Huh? About, about a third, no, it wasn't even a third. About a tenth said, yeah. All right, this is a little bit, a little bit of training here. I either want to, what, what, what's the, the word amen? Is that, I don't know if it's Hebrew, Fred, is that Hebrew, Greek, or whatever? It's just amen. It and it means, let it be so, right? It's like saying, today we'd like saying, yeah, or right on, or you've got it. So, I either want to hear a loud nod, or a loud amen, when, 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 let me read this again. God will always do what he promised. Do you believe that? Amen. Oh, it's good preaching. I love that. All right. So, watch this verse. I want us to look at this verse now and the promises that we've got the context. The application we can make is absolutely spot on. Not only for them then, but for us now. July what, 12th, 2020. In the midst of this pandemic. In the midst of, of just read reports this week of, of, the, of the ripple effect of the pandemic. It was already hearing first-hand reports from India, from uh, some of the people on the ground there. And I was getting first-hand reports of, of starvation and what's going on. Now I'm getting reports of ripple effect of the shutdown of the economies around the world and food supplies, okay? So in the midst of all this, what is he saying to, to believers? What is he saying to his children? What is he saying to you and me? 
Let's look at this. First of all, I want, that just stood out to me in verse, verse 11. That stands out to me every time I read this verse. And it's a verse that we're familiar with. We write it on cards. We'll, we'll see it on mugs. We print it on plaques. And the first thing that stands out to me is that God is thinking about us. God wanted Israel to know that because his divine judgment is what they were experiencing, that it was one of these things of out of sight, out of mind. Because they were still on his mind. He was still thinking about them. Now, there's, I kind of looked at this this week. I don't know how accurate, but it's pretty current. There is around 7.8 billion or 7.9, somewhere between 7.7 and 7.9 billion people in the world today living. Now, an amazing thing is that God knows every one of them. Do you believe that? Huh? He knows where they are. He knows what they're experiencing. He knows, where, where they, he knows when they're hurting and why they're hurting. He, knows, he even knows what they're thinking. That, that boggles my mind. Now, it don't take much to boggle this, what's in here. But just imagine the awesomeness, the greatness of, of an omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, everywhere God that knows everybody and everything. He does. Now, I just kind of made a note. So today, God knows us individually. He knows each one of you. That, I find that sometimes I find that great comforting. God, you know, you know what I'm going through with here, okay? And sometimes I find that great uh, sobering. God, you know everything? Uh, okay, yeah, I mean, you knew that thought? Barb and I had that discussion this week. If we think it is, is it, do we need to say it? No, but not always necessarily. Well, if you think it isn't the same, yeah, but you got responsibility. You don't want to say it and other people hear it. Ah, yeah. God knows everything. He knows everything. He knows us individually. He knows us intimately. Matthew 10, 29 through 31. And not only does he know us individually, he knows us intimately, but God knows us infinitely. Psalms 139 says that he, he put us together. He knitted us together. We're looking, we're thinking about Jake and Marissa and, and she's Duke soon. I don't know. Maybe week after next or something. So week after next? She was, she was, I saw her this week and I, was, I, I went put the kettle on. I was getting boiling water and ready. Uh, but but he, knows, he knows this baby that's in the womb. He knows all about it. And he knows everything. Gracie was here first service. And, and she was just, just Shane's little girl, Shane and Jordan. And, and man, she was, when COVID started, she was a baby. And I came in this morning and she's up here on stage dancing around. They're singing and she's just dancing around. But he knows us. God knows us. And he knows you. Now, we may forget, you know. And Lord help me. Some of us, as, as we get more to remember, i.e. the older we get, sometimes we forget more. But God never forgets. And he never forgets his kids. He never forgets his children. God never forgets you. We, we understand so little. We know even less. So many questions. But God has you on his mind. I, I read that and I think, what does he think about when he thinks about me? What is he thinking about when he thinks about you? And some people, you know, they, you, you tell them God knows everything. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a checklist. And he's, he's writing everything bad I do down. God will get you. But I want, I want to tell you something this morning. God's not out to get you the way we think of getting you. God's not looking for you to make one mess up, one slip up, and say, you got to go to hell. 
God's not looking for that. That's not what he's looking for. He's not out to get you. At least not in that way. All right. So what are his thoughts? Well, the verse says, he said, I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of what? Peace and not of evil. So what is God thinking about? I love this. Now, let me give you two or three other translations because I love what it says from the, from the ESV version. It says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not evil. The message puts it this way. The message says, I know what I'm doing and I've got it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not abandon you. I love that. Look at from the the New Living Translation, what they're saying. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not disaster. So that answers the question, is God out to get you? No, he's not out to get us. Israel as a nation, as I said before, had, had sinned greatly. But God said to them, I still love you. Even though you've blown it. Even though you've turned your back on me, I've still got a plan for you. And that's what he's saying in our lives. Don't despair. That's what he's saying to them. Don't despair. That's what he's saying to you and me this morning. Don't despair. Don't stay frozen in fear. Don't stay frozen in depression. And his plans for Israel, and he was letting them in on this, it's not just for the future. It started then. His plans for you start now. Just for them, while even they were in Babylon. So what's God up to when he's allowing all this stuff to happen? That's the question. What's he up to when we find ourselves in this pandemic, when we find ourselves, some, some, you know, we find ourselves in situations where some states are even saying, hey, don't sing. And some states are saying you can't meet in church. Churches are closed, but bars are open. What's up with that? You know, we find ourselves in all this crazy stuff going on. Don't know if school's going to start. Some say they're going to start. Some say they're not. Some say they're going to start online. So, you know, all this stuff, what's God up to? What's his purpose when he allows his children to go through Hard times, times of suffering. Now, but even before there was ever pandemic, pandemics, or whatever they are, there's, there's, always, you know, there's been times of suffering. There's been times of trials. Some of you have went through those, gone through those difficult times. What's God up to? I've jotted down three or four things here. One is that God uses hard times to get our attention. For Jerry Helton, I put... The hard times in my life have times that have humbled me. They've, they've, they've been times, and, and I, I don't know how you are. I know how I am. Sometimes it's easy to coast spiritually. And by that, I mean when everything's all right with me and mine, my four and no more, whatever, yours. When they're all right in my situation, the bills are paid, food in the pantry, you know, healthy, everybody's when, when, when everything's all right, sometimes it's easy to coast spiritually. And not realize our total dependence upon God. But it's in those hard times that I find myself hitting my knees beside the bed. Saying, God, I desperately need you. I desperately need you to work in this situation. It's in those hard times when he invites us to turn back. To repent. You say, repent? What have I got to repent of? Well, for Israel, it was just a matter of repenting on their self-sufficiency. I can handle this. How many times do we do that? How many times do we make that mistake? I can handle this. I, you know, you're, you're probably a lot stronger than I am, but I, I, I'm finding out the more I go, 
There's very little I can handle except apart from him. It's his strength. It's his power. It's his hope. It's his direction. It's his courage. It's his reassurance. So the hard times gets our attention. Two, it's in tough times, times like this, that our faith is tried. It's put to the test. James 1.3, short but powerful. James 1.3 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Uh, my good friend uh, Steve Fields down in LJ said, uh, don't ever trust anybody don't walk with a limp. Now, uh, there's a lot of you that I'm trusting more and more. <laughs> but what he was saying, I said, Steve, what do you mean? He said, now think about it, Jerry. He said, Jacob wrestled with God. And, uh, and, 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 and this angel, and the angel touched his hip, and he walked with a limp. And our limps sometimes show that we've, we've been in those struggles spiritually when we when we had to come down and, and find out what we really do believe. Is it real? Can we trust it? Somebody said a, a faith that's never been tested is a faith that's never been trusted. So difficult times, suffering, uncertainty can cause us to, to really evaluate our faith. Is it the kind that lasts? I wrote this. I said, when we face trials of life, we need to evaluate them in the light of what God is doing for us. To consider them doesn't mean that we de deny the difficulty in them. It's not that we say, oh, I, it doesn't hurt. It's not that we say, I'm, I'm really struggling over here, God. It means we learn to see beyond the difficulties to the good results that might, might come from these trials. For me, it was this. Will I trust God when I don't see the sense in what's going on? I, I really put it. Will I trust God when you don't see his purposes? When it doesn't make sense? What is a, there's one saying that says, when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. Is that what it was? Just trust him. Do I trust him? He's either, he's either trustworthy or he's not. I don't, will I, Jake, will I serve him when I don't think he's serving me? Will I still serve him? Will I hold on to his truth when everything in me is hollering, give up? It makes us test our faith. Hard times, difficult times, trials. It makes us, it brings, it gets our attention. It brings us to him. Three, is God uses hard times to equip us to minister to others. Now, I love this. Second Corinthians chapter one. And I want to tell you, the first time that this verse, I'd read it many times, but I never noticed it. And the first time it really just popped out at me was in a funeral home. And I was there, close friend. And, uh, and all of a sudden, and I'm looking at people around and, and this, and this verse just became very real. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and of all comfort. Look at this now. Who comforts us. And I love this, this, this word here. It's there, there are three, three times in these verses. Look at this. And he comforts us in all our tribulation so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves have been comforted with. Now, look at that. Look at that. God uses hard times to equip us. Sometimes God has to do a work in us before he can work through us. Listen, we're talk I was talking first, first service. 
And I had, had some people come up and, and they were just telling me how God was at work in their lives and how that God had, had, had brought them out of a, a strong addictions and uh, the, the, a lot of consequences, but he was putting their lives back together. And I looked and I said, you know, listen to me. I said, God has put you in a place where you can minister to people in a way that I could never minister to. You know? Some of you, I mean, we got a lot of, some of you this morning, my precious, precious sisters and, and brothers, Norm. Uh, when you lose a spouse, and I, I, and I can weep with you, and I can hurt with you, but I can't say to you, I know how you feel. Because I still have my spouses with me. But some of you have experienced that. You've walked through that. Some of you have walked through what it's like to lose a son or a daughter. Some of you have walked through. We had first service we had with the, with the Woodmancy's. We had the Nichols family, Debbie Nichols and her husband from Dublin, Georgia. And just what? The beginning of this COVID thing a few months ago, their house burned. Now, they got five kids. Their house burned. It burned completely to the ground. They lost everything they had. But you know what? God was with them. God was still with them. Mildred's had a house fire. And those of you that have had fires, you can go to somebody when there's fire and say, I, I, I know what you're going through. It's, it's when we've gone through great times of trials. When some of you have went through diagnosis. Some of you went through the cancer route. Some of you are going through it now. And so when somebody who's walked that walk talks with you, it make, it's different, right? It makes a difference when somebody's walked through it and they say to you, you can get through it, man, because I did. That's, God sometimes allows these hard times so that we can minister to others. Fourthly, is, and I'm doing pretty good this morning. I just want you to know, I was told this week, Pastor Jerry, I just want you to know, you're preaching Sunday. I said, the Lord willing. And they said, well, we've been through over Sunday by 12. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Just want you to know, Jeff's got us out by 12, big boys. See how he can do. Okay. Doing pretty good with that. All right, here we go. Fourth thing. <laughs> Fourth thing that I put down is that it is often in the furnace when we see our Savior most clearly. It's often in the furnace. You know what I'm saying? The trials, the hard time, the crucible. Uh, I've thought of a verse in Daniel chapter 3. And the situation there is that these Hebrew children, again, in exile in a foreign land. And, uh, and they're been, now they're being pressured to bow to, the, to this pagan image. And these three Hebrew boys said, we bend our knees to one God. And that ain't him. We're not going to worship this. We're not going to bow the knee. And the king got furious. And the king said, you will bow the knee or I'll throw you in a furnace. I'll burn you alive. They said, you do what you want to. We, got, we know our God can deliver us, but if he does or not, all we know is that we're not going to bend the knee. We're going to serve him. So story is, he heats, the king has, he gets so fierce, so mad. He heats the furnace up hotter than it's ever been. Now, I don't think they had gas burners on the bottom. I'm not exactly sure. I think they probably had a bunch of logs. They chunked that stuff in there. And it can get hot. Matter of fact, it got so hot that the guys who threw them in the furnace, Scripture says, it killed them. It killed them. Now, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it worked. I'm kind of thinking they had the strongest men. And Scripture said they had some strong men. They had the strongest men. And they each got an arm and a leg. So here you got four guys. One arm, one arm, leg and a leg. 
And they didn't just, you know, they didn't, didn't just time up and said, y'all just scoot on in there now. I, I'm kind of thinking they had, them, they had those guys and they chunked them. They chunked them in the fire. So they threw them in the flames. Matter of fact, it was so hot that the ones that did the chunking, they, the heat killed them right then. That, wasn't, that didn't matter. The king was so fierce. He, he just wanted to see these others burn up. But a crazy thing happened. They chunk them in. They land on this burning coals or whatever. And all of a sudden, one of them gets up. And another one gets up. And another one gets up. Let's go to, look at Daniel 3.25. And the king said, look. Look. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. And they ain't hurt. And the fourth one of them looks like the son of God. Now, how did this king know what the Son of God looked like? Had he ever met him? No, I'll tell you something. But when you meet Jesus Christ, it's no mistaking. You'll know it's him. You'll know it's him. And in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the pressure, in the midst of all the pressure to conform, to bow down, they're thrown in this furnace. And I love this. I love what it says. He, he said, and, and he, didn't say, he didn't say, I see them in there and they're still tied up. He said, they're loose. The, the scripture tells us that the ropes burned off, but it didn't even burn their clothes. It didn't smell like smoke. I, uh, I did a, a, a crazy thing yesterday. I did, uh, it was a two-shower day for me. Now, you know, growing up when we bathed on Saturday night, whether we needed it or not, in the, in the sink or in the wash tub, uh, and that was good. I, I just kind of grew up with this idea you don't want to wash all your tan off, you know, or you don't, you know, and, uh, and, and if you wash too much, you get sick. Anyway, so I, two, two shower days are like if I'm in poison. But yesterday, I took a shower. Yesterday morning, we, Barbara and I did some work, and I showered, and then I went to town, and I was clean and pretty. But then we went down and, and had a cook. We cooked that and had a campfire. It was cold. You know, it wasn't cold, but just sitting around a fire, something about it. Roasted marshmallows. I ate a s'mores, you know. And, and, uh, and I got home, and I thought, man, I smell like campfire. That smells good. And I thought, yeah, everybody in the morning probably won't. Tuck another shower just for you. Anyway, these guys didn't even smell like smoke. And what, I love it. The king says, they're loose and they're walking around. And they're not walking around the lawn. They're walking around with Jesus. Wow. In the midst of the pandemic, wherever you are, if you're a child of God, he wants you to know that he wants you to walk around free and he wants you to walk around with him. Now, what, what does that mean? Does that mean we ignore what people tell? No, you're wise. There, there, there are people in our congregation, and Jeff and the ministry staff have done a great job. You know, if you, if you don't feel secure, if your immune system is compromised, uh, boy, the first thing to hit out was the age, and that ain't right, Fred, is it? It ain't right to discriminate age-wise. Gosh, Travis Kelly's the only one can get away with that. But anyway, whatever it is, you know, you're wise, but th- 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 just know this. This is, what I've, this is what I wrote here. I've had so many people say to me, it's in this hard, harsh thing that I'm going through where I've learned to see Jesus the clearest. I've had him say to me, we're closer to him now than we've ever been. Larry Thomas, we're praying for Larry and Kim. Larry's been going through this cancer thing for a couple years now. And I'll never forget, Larry saying to me, and Kim said to me, they said, uh, Jerry, we would never want to go through this. We would never want anybody else to have to go through what we're going through. But we would never take anything for what he's done in our lives through this. Wow. So God lets us go through these hard times because he, he wants to get our attention. 
He, he, it, it can be a way of, of humbling us so that we aren't trusting in our own sufficiencies. We aren't trusting ourselves. We're trusting in Him. He does it so that our faith is a faith that can be trusted. He, he wants us to know that. He wants us to know that He brings us and puts us in a situation so we can minister. First service, uh, Jeff talked about the cottage and the ministry. I'll tell you, those, Betty, those people that you have down there that work, that are volunteers down in the, the, the food ministry and the clothing ministry. Listen, the food ministry never shut down through all the pandemic. They adapted. But those servants, you know what, how they adapted? People drive up for, and, they would, and the servants would go out with masks and, and protection. And they would take food out to the cars. And people stay in their cars and they would get food. Some people depended upon that food to make it. And, they, and they, they, these servants kept serving. And there's opportunities. We adapt. Jeff was talking about the, the, the camps this week. Man. And adjustment. VBS and day camp. We've never done it like that before. But how God worked. Nine kids came to the Lord. And I want to tell you, and, and, and a big applause. He, he mentioned the counselors. I've got to mention this one more time. It's nothing against, we've always had great counselors, Sarah. Canadian Bible Camp, y'all do a great job. Even before y'all were camp, camp director, Gary and Rita Faye, great counselors. Barb and I, Bob Denise, great counselors. So this is no slam on any of you that served as a camp counselor. But I was there this week, every morning except Monday. I was down with the kids. And, and I saw these young teenagers. And I saw them involved. I saw them in these kids' lives. I never saw one kid. Now, this is true. This is honest. We had a coach, you say, this is the truth if I've ever told it. It made me wonder about what other things he said. But anyway, I never saw one child sitting over alone looking like they wish they weren't there. Because by the time they got into the, to wherever they were going, they were with their group. And these counselors, they were playing games. They were, they were involved. And they wanted to be back. So hard times helps us minister. All right, got three minutes to finish the last thing of this verse. He, he, he's thinking about us. His plans are of peace, not of evil. And notice what he says here. He says, and his, and his plans are to give us hope and a future. King James says it this way. And he says, so that you will, uh, get to give you an expected end. It can, be, uh, it can be hard to believe when you're in the midst of whatever's going on in your life. For these people in Israel, it's, like, it's hard for them to imagine ever being free again. How could they get free? They didn't have, the, they didn't have wherewithal to, to mount a rebellion. But the God who brought them there because a part of his judgment was going to bring them back out as a part of his mercies and grace. It can be hard to believe when you can't see. But that's where faith comes in. I think tonight the movie. I still believe. All right, Jeremiah 29 11 brings us hope. It brings us assurance. It teaches us that God thinks of us. His thoughts of peace, not evil. He will bring us to an expected end. He's for us not against us. And let's finish with, i uh, got two minutes. Flip, flip up, uh, where are we going? Uh, I like that. Romans. Romans 8, Pete. Romans 8, I want you to, uh, you don't have to do this like we did, amen, but just look at this. Listen to the truth of God's word. That's where we go. Where do we turn? We turn to God's word. We turn to him. Listen to what it says. What then shall we say to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. 
Who's the, who, who's the one who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, COVID, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, pandemic? No, as it's written, in all these things, he says, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for slaughter. Hang on. It, 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 he, didn't, he didn't say here we've all been made immune to these things. There were some people who died. There were some Christians who martyred. There were some Christians who starved, who starved to death. But in the midst of all the hard times and everything that went in and, and around them and, and happened to them, they never were out of the, the care of God's love. Look what he says. Yet in all these things... We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ our Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's his promise. And he always does what he promises he will do. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? Like these kids this week that trusted him for their savior. If you've never trusted him, put your trust in him. The one who knows you and the one who knows everything about you and still loves you. That's awesome. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. And Lord, that your promises are sure. They're amen and amen. And you've promised that you will never forget us. You have thoughts toward us and about us, and they're thoughts of, of peace and not evil. And Lord, that, that you, your, your plan for us, you have a plan for us. And Lord, in the midst of this, that all the stuff that's happening now, you're working good to your children and for your children. Thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.